morning slash afternoon slash evening. Welcome to the Calories and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, joined by our co-host, Lena Benabdala, a PhD student in international relations at the University of Florida at Yiting Wang, our resident China sustainability specialist. Lena, how's it going? Going well, thank you, Winslow. Excellent. And Yiting is in a taxi, so she's going to probably join the pod a little bit later. Um, Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duro, seeks to connect development workers to professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. The sixth forum on China-Africa cooperation was held in Johannesburg in December of last year, which resulted in China pledging $60 billion in mostly loans and export credits to the countries of Africa. On July 29th, delegations from 51 African countries met in Beijing for the coordinators' meeting on the implementation of the follow-up actions of the Johannesburg Summit of the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, or FOCAC. And uh, pardon the long-winded title. Having a follow-up meeting to discuss the particulars of FOCAC implementation is a common step to all FOCAC meetings. Um, in order to talk about this uh, particular meeting and its significance, we have invited back on the pod Dr. Tang Xiaoyang, Deputy Director of the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global De- Policy and an associate professor in the Department of International Relations at Tsinghua University. He's the author of the book, China-Africa Economic Diplomacy, 2014. Oh, uh, the author of the book, China-Africa Economic Diplomacy, which came out in 2014. Prior to Tsinghua, Dr. Tang worked for the International Food Policy Research Institute in Washington, D.C. He also worked as a consultant for the World Bank and the U.S. Agency for International Development. He also has co-authored a number of publications with Professor Deborah Brodingham of the uh, SAIS China-Africa Research Initiative, and most recently Going Global in Groups, Structural Transformation in China's Special Economic Zones Overseas in the journal uh, World Development. Dr. Tang, welcome back to the pod. Hi, hello. Thank you, Withrow, for the introduction. Thank you so much for making it. I hear that you have to travel soon. Is that correct? Yes, I'm going to the airport in three hours, and I'm flying to Zambia tonight. Oh, fantastic. I hope you're all packed. Sorry to uh, to trouble you with this recording. We really oh, appreciate no making the effort. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a pleasure. Yeah. So getting right down to it, what happened in Beijing on July 29th? Mm. How many of these sorts of meetings have been organized following a uh, FOCAC? And are there any uh, grievances among African government de- delegations on their share of FOCAC money or how consensus is reached? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a follow-up meeting uh, for uh, after the Johannesburg summit, and the purpose is uh, to uh, get all the African partners uh, come together and uh, to coordinate the implementation of the uh, FOCAC plan uh, last December. Uh, so. It, 
in in fact, after the Johannesburg summit, there were already uh, two or three times the Chinese foreign ministry they held a press conference or some public speech to talk about the implementation of FOCAC plan. But a coordinator meeting like this is unprecedented. Uh, the First, uh, the previous uh, five uh, FOCAC meetings uh, had uh, never a uh, coordinated meeting like this. It w uh, usually only the Chinese uh, implementing uh, agencies met, uh, and then they give some uh, report on how the implementations was were going. But this time, the Chinese government, they convened uh, African countries in Beijing to talk about, uh, to not, and not only to report the uh, implementation, but also to uh, plan further for uh, to improve the implementation process. So that's a new uh, event uh, of its kind. And uh, so far, then, uh, I haven't heard about this grievance uh, from, the African from any African countries. That's mainly because this uh, 60 billion U.S. dollars, they are not like distributed according to countries. They are actually loans uh, and investments and funds following projects. So the, for the countries which can uh, reach agreement on the projects, then they, uh, if the projects, they are really good and uh, uh, reasonably planned, then they can get uh, the funds of uh, investments or they get the loans. So if there are no uh, reasonable and uh, good projects, uh, there's, uh, yeah, then you cannot get it. So it's project based and not country based yes and as an addendum who is in charge of actually implementing the agreements or the projects between China and individual African countries from FOCAC mm. Yeah, there's a, a coordination uh, committee of FOCAC, and they have a website. It's called uh, focac.org. So you can see it. But uh, so uh, a number of uh, Chinese ministries, uh, they are involved in the implementation, including the foreign ministry, the uh, Ministry of Commerce, uh, and uh, then Agriculture Ministry, uh, Healthcare Ministry, etc. And uh, for this uh, coordinating meeting, uh, it's uh, the... Uh, we can see it's uh, the Ministry of Commerce, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, they are all involved. Mm. And they Professor are the Tan? Coordinator. Yes? Uh, yeah, sorry to further um, to ask you to really elaborate. Do you think um, this meeting um, is an initiative of the Chinese government, or is this a sign that the African side is also getting more organized? Compared to how, you know, when you said previous years, it's mostly just a China follow-up committee. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's mainly a uh, initiative from the Chinese side because it's also not only because it's uh, hosted in Beijing, but uh, the uh, yeah, for, I think the, it's uh, uh, the agenda like it's uh, appraisal, the implementation, and uh, also uh, they today they also published uh, a joint announcement, and uh, I think. It's uh, still mainly based on the Chinese side, uh, so the Chinese perspective. While the uh, African uh, views uh, are relatively, uh, yeah, low, uh, yeah, they have a smaller voice, and I can see from the joint announcement, it's mainly the Chinese announcement. Hmm. But the South African side seems to also be quite active this time. And, mm. um, you know, the foreign minister was also here, Maite, and made mm. an announcement. So I thought maybe there's also some effort on the part of the South African government to make mm. this, you know, more um, more of a mutual follow-up. Mm, yeah, certainly the, the both sides they want this to be mutual. Uh, that's always uh, the key like uh, element of the focus. China doesn't want to dominate. In Focac. However, uh, when it comes to implementation, I think uh, still it's mainly the Chinese government that uh, uh, coordinates the uh, commitment and the implementation, and uh, also the, like the choice of the project uh, that's uh, um, largely depends on Chinese government. Professor Tang, now given that most of this money is going to be following projects, um, mm. mainly bilateral uh, projects that are conducted bilaterally between China and whatever the host country is, what is the mm. significance of holding another multilateral meeting like this one? Uh, I think that for this meeting, first uh, it's... Uh, uh, just makes this implementation and uh, more systematic. So you, now we can see FOCAC, uh, it's not only like once uh, every three years, but through this implementation coordinator meeting, uh, people can meet more often and uh, we can follow uh, also the uh, public uh, uh, and the international communi community can follow up the, this uh, uh, progress uh, more closely. And uh, then also another uh, advantage of such a meeting is that uh, it can actually improve uh, the implementation because uh, now we see that uh, last year's summit, uh, industrialization and this industrial capacity co collaboration, they are the main themes. And uh, with this uh, new uh, meeting of uh, African countries, we can see this uh, Industrialization and industrial capacity. It's not uh, only a bilateral thing. It actually has some uh, uh, like a transregional and even cross-continental perspective. Uh, so the African 2063 also uh, uh, raised this idea of industrialization. 
and uh, I think this uh, uh, pan uh, this uh, cross continental uh, meeting together then help people to uh, work together towards a common goal and also help people help different countries to learn uh, from each other to know the general trend. Um, it's been interesting for me to see that um, the Agenda 2063 and the first 10-year implementation plan has, you know, been you know mentioned several times in both um, uh, Yang Jiechi, the former Minister of Foreign Affairs, speech, the keynote speech that he gave during the meeting, and also in the communique uh, published by um, the South African counterpart. Um, you know, so I guess. Um, how, um, you know, what do you see is, you know, do you think that the FOCAC um, implementation and, and the uh, declaration is really sort of in, in much, very much in alignment with Agenda 2063? Um, or uh, do you think there's, you know, there, there, uh, there, there might still be gaps uh, in terms I think of you, fitting what yeah. China wants and Africa wants? Yeah. Yeah. I think in general, this uh, the Chinese uh, uh, focus uh, like ten plans uh, and uh, the African 2063. They are pretty much uh, complementary to each other. They are raised uh, from uh, different. Yeah, maybe the focus plan or the China's uh, uh, five-year plan. They are uh, proposed mainly by Chinese. Perspective, but uh, in fact, uh, they uh, work well with uh, Africa 2063 because uh, their uh, common goals are just uh, uh, development of Africa and uh, uh, of uh, and also actually the mutual beneficial development, and that's mainly uh, because of the. Both the economic structure, the economic structure of both part of both parts, because they are uh, complementing each other. So the Chinese uh, they have some overcapacity in uh, in several like labor intensive manufacturing, and Africa in fact needs the uh, they demands uh, more investment in the labor intensive manufacturing and Africa wants more infrastructure while the Chinese partners uh, they have a lot of uh, steel uh, experience in steel making construction materials so the complementary economic structure like this uh, help both sides uh, to uh, fit together. Their interests can well fit each other. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, and uh, so both uh, uh, plans from uh, from uh, the different perspectives uh, they emphasize. Uh, uh, for me, they emphasize a key point, key message. 
namely industrialization. This uh, is uh, very highlighted in uh, 2063, and this is also a major uh, concern of the Chinese government, so the industrial capacity collaboration. And I think uh, uh, their complementary economic structure and their common goals can help these two plans uh, work very well. Just uh, we need to uh, be more careful with the concrete uh, details uh, and uh, be more pragmatic in different uh, uh, contexts in different countries. Then I, but in general, the trend, the strategies, uh, they fit together. Um, I just had a, a follow-up question here. Uh, so we mentioned indus- uh, the cooperation on industrialization and industrial capacity. I wanted to also ask if you had an idea about, um, you know, the, the so the joint communique mentioned safe development as one of the five uh, key terms there. And with safe development, it talks about security, it talks about you know, counter, you know, terrorism. Uh, of course, we've seen very recently, um, you know, the conflict in South Sudan and you know, the, the the Chinese, you know, the, the, the incidents involving Chinese peacekeeping uh, mm-hmm. troops. And I wonder if you have any uh, comments about whether uh, the issue of security has been brought in this implementation. Uh, how central is security now in in in, in this um, post you know, summit kind of steps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, security is uh, always uh, uh, important issue. However, it's not the like cornerstone of uh, bilateral collaboration, and uh, the security it's just uh, provides uh, guarantee for the uh, progress in cooperation because it's. Uh, Exactly because the uh, more investors uh, go to Africa, more uh, business uh, are being done in Africa. Therefore, then uh, the Chinese companies uh, they find uh, security concerns are more and more important. Uh, otherwise, in general, Africa's uh, security situation, uh, indeed, uh, they improved uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, during past decades. In spite of this, uh, the security issues became a a main concern of Chinese uh, now. That's uh, exactly because the uh, Chinese uh, uh, companies, uh, they invest more now in Africa. And then let's check the the joint announcement or communicate uh, they, they mentioned five parts and the security that's uh, uh, ranked number four so that just shows it's a very important part but it will uh, be uh, supportive and uh, uh, be uh, like in, in players a role of uh, supporting so n- namely supporting the uh, economic uh, development supporting the industrial uh, development and um, I had uh, um, even one more question after this. So uh, there has also been, um, you know, very lately talks about how the uh, One Belt, One Road 
big projects perhaps does not involve as many African countries as it does Asian countries, you know, Central Asian and, and uh, some even European countries. So do you think that convening such a meeting uh, with uh, 51 African delegations to talk about the implementation is some sort of um, diplomatic sign to say that even though most African countries are not involved in the one Belt, One Road project, there still uh, are important um, relations between China and these African countries? Uh, when it comes to One Belt, One Road initiative, it's a pretty open initiative. And uh, the Chinese government never excluded any African country from this One Belt, One Road initiative. Uh, whereas they also only signed uh, like uh, MOUs with South Africa, I think, or and with mm-hmm. Egypt or yes. Mozambique to confirm that they are in the One Belt One Road project. So uh, yes, so but it's uh, like this kind of. Uh, uh, I, I just mean it's mainly uh, the One Belt One Road initiative. It's still at its uh, early stage, and uh, uh, but it didn't uh, exclude any African country from it. And that's a different uh, mechanism from uh, FOCAC because FOCAC has been in place uh, for already uh, 16 years, and it's uh, established uh, uh, mutual. Uh, cooperation uh, system, while the one belt, one road, that's mainly uh, proposed by China just uh, recent, uh, during recent years and uh, what, uh, its shape and its uh, implica- implication are still uh, to be defined. Therefore, these both, they, are, they do not exclude each other. They have a lot of areas to uh, uh, overlap or to complement uh, each other but uh, this time uh, it's uh, only um, about the focus and the one better one road uh, doesn't play a big role in this mm-hmm. context yeah I'm curious uh, how much of China's pledge 60 billion dollars has been dispersed is there any way to track that information and is that a good barometer of focac's progress uh in the uh i think in july 29th uh, the yang jiechi so the council the state councilor he mentioned uh, uh, so far, the China and Africa, they have already signed uh, uh, cooperation agreements uh, worth uh, uh, $50.7 billion. And uh, uh, then, uh, yeah, so, and uh, among this, uh, uh, with uh, of this amount, then the FDI and the commercial loans, they counted uh, uh, $56 billion. So these are the official figures we have uh, now. And uh, I believe that this uh, disbursement, uh, or, uh, it's difficult uh, to, uh, yeah, yeah, from this, it's not about this uh, disbursement, but only about the amount of agreement. Uh, as for disbursement, uh, then, 
uh, it's uh, not an uh, easy job to measure because uh, the 60 billion, they have uh, different types. For example, this uh, uh, industry capacity uh, cooperation fund, so this 10 billion, it will have 10 billion funds. But then this fund, it's a private equity fund. So it's uh, now being uh, structured, but after its operation, it still needs time to find uh, projects and to in- to invest in it. So that will this uh, so that means the implementation of this fund will be very different from uh, uh, like a loan uh, disbursement and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that for the loan, even for the loan disbursement, these are 35, uh, billion, 35 billion dollars. And, uh, this, uh, oh, we, uh, because it also includes uh, the uh, export credit, so that will also be again another different uh, uh, type. And then the CADF uh, and uh, the SME uh, funds, their disbursement will be similar to the uh, industrial uh, capacity cooperation fund. Only I think the five billion foreign aid and a grant uh, uh, and uh, and a zero interest loan this uh, can uh, this uh, uh, can be calculated according to uh, the traditional like ODA uh, standard and uh, it's a disbursement uh, we haven't got any information so far since uh, foreign aid it's still a classified information uh, of China, uh, by Chinese government yeah. Excellent. Um, and during the summit, there were many new platforms of cooperation that were announced, such as the, the SME fund. How are these general platforms broken down into bilateral projects? Uh, this uh, uh, platinum SME funds. Uh, uh, the loans, uh, they, uh, yeah, in previous, uh, forecasts, uh, there were already, uh, such uh, SME development loans, and uh, it's uh, mainly managed by China Development Bank. And, uh, uh they have, uh, several different approaches. One is, uh, to work with African banks, and then the China Development Bank, uh, transfer gives a, a, a certain amount to its African uh, bank partners. Then the African banks, they disperse this, uh, then further lend it to the African local SMEs because the African banks, they know the local SMEs better. And uh, also the China Development Bank sometimes also uh, Offers uh, the SME loans uh, to uh, a few Chinese uh, firms, uh, which are which invested uh, in Africa or even reg- uh, yeah, or they had their bases in Africa. Yeah. Oh, um, so just to follow up, um, I just saw the statistics that were cited during a conference that um, you know since December. 
some 243 cooperation agreements um, mm -hmm. um, that are primarily uh, direct investment and commercial loans have reached um, 50, $50 billion. Um, so, you know, this is almost um, this, you know, this is obviously we're already very close to the 60 billion that was promised. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, do, does this is a sign that they're actually even going to overachieve that target, but, um, but, or that the public money has actually helped leverage commercial investment from um, other players in China? Uh, so first, it's uh, the amount, the 50 billion amount, it's just uh, about agreements. Uh, some agreements may not uh, be able to implement actually quite a part of the agreements uh, from a previous past experience may have problems of implementation. Therefore, this uh, agreement amount, it's just the beginning. So they still need uh, several years to really come to the ground. And then uh, I think here uh, the commercial loans uh, uh, this actually we need to see whether this is about uh, uh, how to count it because from the 60 billion what we see is about uh, uh, yeah, 5 billion this foreign aid and zero interest loan and 35 billion that's about uh, uh, concessional uh, yeah, loans of uh, concessional natures and uh, export credit so this didn't include uh, the FDI while here uh, it uh, uh, this time Yang Jiechi said uh, it's about uh, FDI and uh, commercial loans so this do not uh, so actually uh, when you look closely this uh, amount, like uh, 50 billion, or instead of FDI and the commercial loan, uh, 60 billion, this uh, do not uh, are not necessarily included into this uh, 60 billion. So Yang Jiechi, just so I I think he understands people are interested in these figures, and uh, what he can say is just to suggest this business activities are going, but uh, it's not a very strict uh, uh, statistic because these are actually two different things. Right, right, yeah. And actually, on the other hand, um, the joint statement that they published mm -hmm. also mentions that in order not to um, you know, bring Africa into further debt, uh, risk of debt and, and, and public mm -hmm. finance burden, you know, they wanted to mm -hmm. make sure the projects are um, are profitable. Um, mm. So it seems to be sort of responding to some of the criticisms, um, yep. and, you know, at least that the media has sort of, you know, in the mm. past um, year, right. year or so raised um, the problem for. Yes, yeah. Yes, uh, this uh, question has often been raised, uh, and uh, I think the uh, Chinese government, even when it proposed this uh, uh, 60 billion, they are they are already quite aware of that. Uh, not to mention this, uh, like uh, the CADF and the Industrial Capacity Cooperation Funds, because these are private equities, they definitely will look at the profitability 
quality and the market uh, sustainability. And uh, even this uh, big chunk of $35 billion uh, loans uh, and uh, expo- export credit, this already proven to be also market oriented in the past. For example, the Angolan model, uh, this uh, Exim Bank agreement with Angola, these are the uh, loans of concessional natures and these are uh, export credit and they are actually uh, thinking about uh, uh, profit uh, very carefully and uh, also uh, yeah, in other uh, similar loans uh, to Sudan, to uh, Ethiopia, the Chinese uh, banks uh, when they uh, give loans uh, to the African countries, uh, they are very careful in choosing uh, the uh, projects uh, with uh, market profitability. Yes. Excellent. Do you mean that they are that they actually prefer using more commercial loans because then they have a higher sort of criteria for um, risk calculation, um, and then and then therefore very careful about actually giving out concessional loans because, you know, it's maybe people take it less seriously in terms of paying it back in the long term. Given China has had the you know, has had some record of canceling off concessional loans before. Uh, that's uh, uh, already a long-term uh, principle. China uh, indeed give a, a very uh, give the, the concessional loan and the foreign aid uh, count only a very small part of Chinese loans uh, throughout mm. all these years. Therefore, the commercial loan, even some of the commercial loans have a concessional nature. For example they have lower interest or longer repayment period but these are nonetheless concessional loans China Exim Bank and the China Development Bank and now even the ICBC they all give loans yeah, give commercial loans and they think about the business profitability very carefully right Thank you for that clarification. You're welcome. All right. I think that's an excellent, uh, an excellent conclusion to, to, to finish, uh, Dr. Tang's comments. Um, we're going to move swiftly to recommendations and Dr. Tang, I believe you do not have any recommendations at this time. Mm, No. Yeah. Okay. So, So, uh, Lena, what about yourself? I actually could not think of anything to recommend this time too. Not that there's not a lot, but um, but I just uh, did not think of anything for now. That's all right. And eating. Um, I think I'll pass this time too. <laughs> all, all right. Um, I'll, I'll be better prepared next time. I have a uh, quick recommendation. I just read um, Mei Fong's uh, One Child, and I have to figure out the exact um, 
the exact title. Okay, so um, One Child, The Story of China's Most Radical Experiment, which is um, a, uh, a book by uh, Mei Fong, who is a journalist with the Wall Street Journal, and a uh, really, really interesting book that for me, uh, its opening chapter is about the Sichuan earthquake, which has a very personal resonance with me, as my wife is Sichuanese, so um, it, if... Mm-hmm. Um, so it, am I. It, it's, yeah, yes, it's not, it is not in favor of the one-child policy, I'm going to put it out there, um, but it was a very, very um, interesting read, and I really enjoyed um, going through it. Um, and Dr. Tang, how do people find you on the internet? Mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we can we can leave it as I I don't know. If you if you would want to share a WeChat account, you can, but that's too personal. Oh, okay, so you, you but my if they Google my uh, email uh, information and also even my phones, they are on the internet. They they, they are on the internet. You are right. very easy to find if, if right. you are googled yeah. and, and go to um, Carnegie Tsinghua. I, I really appreciate that. Um, right. right, and I'm sure Carnegie Tsinghua has a WeChat account that turns out good articles every now yeah. and then. So. Right. Also, my uh, department, the Department of International Relations, uh, their uh, website also has my information. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, and Lena, what about yourself? I can easily be found on Twitter. My handle is at albinabdella. That's B-E-N-A, B-E-P-D-A-L-L-A-H. Um, and uh, I tweet China Africa stuff and uh, you know and beyond. Yeah, you you've been bracketing off Sino Africa, the Sino Africa hashtag, um, and you have got a new uh, Twitter strategy that I've been I've been enjoying quite a bit. So good mm-hmm. show. Well, thank you, Winslow. Eating. What about yourself? Um, I can be found on Twitter. Um, my handle is um, Dao of the Pool. D A O O F T H G P O O H. And um, I tweet mostly about China and the global environment. Excellent. And I can be found on. Cowrie'sRice.blogspot.com and www.cowrie'sRice.com, the large site housing my fledgling China African consultancy. In addition, my Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R, and I tweet about China African news, events, opinions, and arcana. Um, and that is about it for today's episode. We'd like to thank Dr. Tang for joining us from Beijing, and we hope he makes to the airport on time. Um, we would l- like to thank African Development Jobs as well. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, Buzzsprout, Google Play, and iTunes. We are also teaming up with WTND Community Radio from Oklahoma, Illinois to share a podcast. We would also like to thank Mighty Mike Compulse Recordings for composing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.